plus minutes of gaming goodness because dlc is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be and that is completely free thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash dlc pod their generosity their support their belief in what we're doing means we get to keep doing what we're doing and we are grateful. Thank you, patrons. Hey, if you want to become a patron and help support this show, make sure it continues past its ninth year. You can do so. And in return, you'll get some cool stuff, including ad-free episodes, video versions of the show, although not this week because Christians are traveling, and bonus content. So much bonus content. How can you even handle the amount of bonus content we are giving you right now? Last week alone. We put out our God of War Ragnarok spoiler content. We put out the weekly paid DLC program that we do on Wednesdays with Lana Bashinsky. It's crazy, goofy, wacky fun. Also, Fridays are feeling this. Fridays, Christian Spicer and Alex Solman feeling video games, giving you those feels. It's so much content for the low, low price of supporting this show and making sure it continues at patreon.com slash DLC pod. Consider it. You'll get cool stuff. I think you'll like it. This show, though, the main show, DLC, is the show all about games. And there are many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canada, spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who's... uh. Who's three hours ahead this week? Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello. I wonder, are we at the same time? I don't know. No, no, I'm on mountain time, baby. I'm I'm still two hours behind you. Oh, yeah. Or one I hour am... behind you? Wait, I'm I it's eight p.m. Yeah, one for hour. Me. It's nine yeah. p.m. for me. I am here at the home of the world champion, Houston Astros. Oh my uh, goodness. Yeah, so I'm just decked out, and I mean, I'm here. I'm I'm there. Pena's high fiving me as we're doing this. Altuve's like 2017 was questionable, questionable, but like this time I did it for real. Um, I am visiting my folks. My my wife actually has a whole week off, which is a very rare occurrence for her job. So we hit the road to spend uh, Thanksgiving with family. So if I sound different, it's because I have a different mic and I'm in a different room. And um, high five and Astros all all show. It, it's amazing <laughs> that they uh, are willing to spend their time uh, standing there as flight, flights land in in Houston. Like you know, like uh, getting a lay when you get in off in Hawaii. It's just the entire <laughs> Houston Astros baseball team just standing waiting to greet every person who enters the city. It's 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 a it's a commitment. It's oh, no, impressive. No, 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 no. I uh, I uh, sacrificed my oldest daughter's college fund for this. I am paying them handsomely to be oh. here for the next 90 plus minutes in my well, high five hands. No, um, worth it. Yeah, I think yeah. worth it. She'll understand. She'll <laughs> right, understand. Yeah. Uh, we have a jam-packed show for you. We got uh, more stuff to talk about than we have time to talk about things in, uh, which is often the case. Uh, this week is going to be a lot of fun. 
And guess what? We have a fun guest to do it with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, I'm excited because DLC also stands for your downloadable Campbell. Because we have social media creative, the guy who writes those social media posts for video game companies, Spencer Campbell, is joining us for the first time. Hey, Spencer. Hey, how's it going? Uh, I'm excited to be here. This is really fun. Uh, yeah. I, I, I like that you have the whole band come in and do the intro live. It's not uh, put in after. It's a live band that does it with you. Yeah, no, again, very expensive, but I think worth it uh, for for me because they're sitting next to me. Everybody else, it's it, it basically is the same experience. But for me, guy, fellas, thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it. White Cube. Bye. That's uh, <laughs> G. Ryan Arnold and Jason Sherry. Uh, Awkward yeah. that they're staying in my basement, but you know it's worth it every week. Every week, yeah. Between that and the Houston Astros, that you guys really like, it's like Jurassic <laughs> Park in here. You know, you guys it just spare indeed. no expense at all. Yeah, we spare yeah, I, no expense. Uh, you think you think we would use our Patreon money more wisely, but we don't. No, we don't. Um, hey, it's awesome to talk to you. It's awesome to have you here. Let's jump in because we got lots to get to and start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send comments or questions or, you know, praise. If, if, if that strikes you as something you'd want to send, dlcfeedback at gmail.com is where you send that correspondence we love hearing from you the other way you can reach out to us and reach out to the entire community of dlc folks is uh in one of our two uh two places to hang out one of them is the subreddit which is five by five dlc.reddit.com uh the other is our discord which is lively and fun and full of great folks five by five dlc on discord as well i urge you to check out those communities take part become familiar with the fine folks that hang out and talk games and all sorts of stuff in both places but spencer you are our guest so you get first pick of stories what would you consider to be your story of the week uh my story of the week it has to be something that when i read it i, I read it like three or four times in such disbelief it was that rockstar allegedly turned down an eminem led grand theft auto movie <laughs> um they you know in like i believe this was the gta 3 era this must have been yeah. uh yeah so this guy kirk ewing revealed on a podcast that uh an la producer offered five million dollars for the rights to a grand theft auto movie starring eminem directed by top gun director tony scott tony scott yes. <laughs> i know it's like i can't believe how close we got to a universe where Eminem was in a grand that could you imagine if we had that to talk about? <laughs> right. I know just... the, the, the idea of having a Tony Scott helmed GTA movie alone is just kind of mind boggling. Yeah. You know, who knows if this would have actually come to pass or if, you know, if, if, if this, if this dude who offered $5 million actually could, uh, could make it happen. But uh, you know, I'd like to think this movie would be amazing. Now, Eminem, I think, you know, it, it, not, not, too, not too shabby an actor when, it, when push comes to shove. And you got to put yourself in that time period. First of all, 
video game movies were garbage, right? So, it, yes, shockingly it was, bad. It was a time when having a video game turned into a movie pretty much guaranteed that movie was going to be terrible. And I can sort of understand why the Housers at that time, Sam and Dan Hauser, the, the Rockstar co-founders, uh, would turn it down and say, hey, I don't want that stigma on our uh, our soon-to-be multi-billion dollar franchise. Um, but Tony Scott, I mean, Tony Scott has sadly passed away, uh, but he, 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 a visionary director, as you said, Top Gun, um, uh, uh, Crimson Tide. Uh, there's so many incredible Tony Scott movies that really are stylistically sort of of their time in a way he, he was like pushing the boundaries of his time period in a way no other director really did and i i can only imagine how stylized and wacky and over the top and fun and eminem gta movie would have been in like 2001 2002 2003 era amazing I, yeah it i mean my thing is, like, even if it was bad, I mean, I bring up pretty much every single video game movie once a year, I would say at the least, because it's just like, it's just like this strange genre of film they don't even attempt to make anymore. But back then it was just like, what's hot? Uh, video games, let's make a movie ba we're based on one as quickly as we can. Let's cash on this in on this fad, you know? Yeah. It's like this, this real, I get just like, relic of its time and i wish that one of those relics was a grand theft auto movie right ah man it it's interesting I, you know we're sitting here at a time where when, when video game movies have become normal and it's kind of hard to think back i think to just how <laughs> i think it's understandable is what i'm saying that they would turn this down but christian spicer what do you think about this? Are you do you feel like we missed out on on something, or do you think we dodged a bullet here? I mean, I think I, we could have just had like G T A G T T T T A G T A G T A G T A. I mean, other Tony Scott yeah. movies, uh, The Last Boy Scout, Enemy oh, yeah. of the State, Spy Game. Like the pedigree is there Dude. for this to have been a fantastic movie visually like a fantastic movie and honestly I mean, again, you, you, Eminem, left out, you left out true romance the last boy scout days of thunder i mean days of thunder it feels like it could be part of the gta universe for alone you know <laughs> Hills cop 2 i mean he's he's a sad it's sad that we lost him so young because he was an incredible talent but man yeah and eight him doing gta 2002 is when Eight Mile, Mile yeah. came out. So it would have been, yeah, is, like right around the same time when Eminem could have been oh, good. Just striking all the iron so hot in every way. GTA, every news story going on right now on TV is about GTA and Eminem and like the problems that they inflict on culture. And it just would have been this <laughs> kind of like counterculture sort of. Who knows? Yeah. Who will never know? That's the real pain that I feel right now. Yeah. And depending and on I when also, it came out, it it would have landed between Spy Game and Man on Fire for his uh, filmography, yeah. which Man on Fire, I think, is maybe the weaker of the two, but still very visual. If I remember, it's Denzel Washington, I think. And yep, it is. very like visually arresting. And, and it, uh, Spy Game was uh, Robert Redford and Brad Pitt. And I still remember there's a scene in that movie where uh, they're at like a public park or something like that. And Robert Redford tells Brad Pitt to like go get a woman's phone number. 
and he goes over there. Gosh, I hope I have this right because it's ingrained in my head as from Spy Game. And he goes over and he gets it and he comes back and he's like, got it. And Robert Redford's like, yeah, but you told her your name, your last name, your daughter, like all the stuff that he had to give up to get that information. And it's just a chat, right? The whole scene is just a chat, but it's so visually interesting of like passerbys and him there and Robert Redford watching and, and Brad Pitt feeling so confident. Anyway, I don't need to turn this into a Tony Scott uh, praise <laughs> cast, but I think this could have, I, 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 I honestly, with no snark or jest in my voice, I think that had this movie come out, I think we could be at a different timeline where Whoa. video game movies would already would have been incredible at the same time or before comic book movies. Like well, Eminem, okay. Oscar winner, Grand <laughs> Theft Auto, the uh, Academy Award winning. Uh, no, for the soundtrack, I, 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 yeah. the soundtrack would have been, uh, yeah. would have been baller. Um, but let me push back slightly. As, as, as our enthusiasm, I think is 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 you know justifiably snowballing. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, I want to push back and just say that at this time, now Grand Theft Auto 3 was, was a, a huge genre-creating moment in video games. It's hard for people that weren't you know, around then, like old me uh, was, uh, to remember that you know, there really weren't open-world games before GTA 3. GTA 3 was like the first open-world game. But it didn't have much story. Right. I mean, I think uh, Vice City kind of added a bit, much, bit more story. It wasn't the GTA series that we now know, which is, you know, these very complex narratives with all these weird antiheroes. GTA, the, the hero of GTA is much more a blank slate, much less interesting. I think the, the game itself, it had a story. I'm not saying it didn't. No, no, I'm going to push it, back there. It's a guy in a black leather jacket, Jeff. I don't know what else you need. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. had a, he had tood. That was the story that I needed that game to have. <laughs> My understanding is that he only had one shot, and he would not. <laughs> Missy <laughs> against the blow. That's my understanding. Um, yeah. it sound like a His arms were spaghetti. Is that? Is that? Uh... <laughs> yeah, it it is wild to think of the uh, the alternate timeline, Christian, that you, as you're bringing up. Like maybe it maybe uh, a Tony Scott movie based on a video game might have made everybody have a different opinion of what movies based on video games were in the early 2000s. I think that would have been interesting, but. And- we would have at least gotten a couple of those movies. There'd be a few to look back on, or and it, if they're not good, at least laugh on, right? Yeah. Well, the you know the other the other potential future here uh, that we didn't get to see is that this movie comes out, it's terrible, and it it hurts the GTA franchise in some oh. way. We don't get GTA four and five in the same way. I don't know. That's possible. Well, and I think kudos to the, the the rest of the story is the Housers were like, nah, like five million is not enough, and I think kudos to them. You know, yeah. that business acumen for doubling down on what they believe their franchise could be because, you know, the the Hollywood fable of, oh, gosh, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not going to be able to pull his name right now, but he's a producer on every Batman movie because he bought the rights for like, you know, $200,000. Oh. You know, yeah. No one cared about it and made the first Michael Keaton Batman. And since yeah. then, in perpetuity, or is like cashing you know, yeah, yeah Michael, Arad, Michael like, Uslin is who you're thinking about. Yeah. I, I had the privilege of meeting him, and he's a really interesting guy. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just clearly a, a genius. He just like, oh, I really like Batman, so I'll buy the film rights because, like, wouldn't that be tight? <laughs> I'm gonna like try and make a movie. Like, it's like the same thing for what video games were in the early aughts. Like, no one, yeah, 
comic book movies weren't going to make money. They were dumb. They were pulp. There had been a string of failures. And he was like, no, we can do a good one. And, yeah. and got a comedic – I mean the whole story. And that guy just keeps cashing checks because at the end of every Disney, of Disney, every Batman movie, there's his name. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the houses were proved right, though. You know, I, I mean, who knows how, apro- how how apocryphal this story is? Because uh, it certainly has the benefit of you know twenty years of hindsight to be like, yeah, we were so right. But if they really were, you know, thinking to themselves, hey, this is going to be bigger than any movie, they were right, right? It is bigger. The GTA Five has made more money than any movie, right? So uh, that's that's pretty cool foresight on their part if 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 true anyway yeah i think i would have been very weak in that moment five million dollars for movie rights for a movie that will probably be bad have at it man whatever i'm never gonna make a movie you know the other thing spencer is like why did it take this long for us to hear this story you know how many like, of these stories are out there? Yeah, yeah waiting. Exactly. Just, I mean, because that's a that was twenty years ago, pro, you know. Yeah. Wow. This guy's like, oh, by the way, this could have <laughs> happened. We're like, what? Yeah. Uh, very cool. Very cool. Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? Well, my story of the week is that the Housers don't have a "We were right" and it pisses Eminem off bumper. I think that's the <laughs> yeah. biggest. Uh... Yeah, how mad is Eminem right now? He's like every time he plays a GTA game, he's like, "I missed my one shot to blow." You know. <laughs> he also found out just now on this podcast he calls his rep and he's like, "Wait, what?" You know, like. <laughs> What just happened? Um, and then there's probably so many things that Eminem could feel that way about. Just like, yeah, we're going to attach Eminem. He's going to be in the next Men in Black movie or like whatever. Yeah. I mean, he uh, also well, is the most successful rapper in the history of rapping. So he, he's sold more rap albums than anyone. So, you know. Jeff, I, I think we can fine. admit this now as we're going into our ninth year of DLC. He was the original permanent third chair, uh, Eminem. He was show. supposed to be, but we uh, we only ov- offered him five dollars. So, <laughs> wow, I'm sitting where Eminem could be sitting right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just been a think, very let that sink show. in. Let that really wow. sink in. What an honor. The weird thing is that we were gonna let Eminem be the permanent third chair and force him to broadcast from your house, Spencer. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't know if it would be to his liking. To be honest, <laughs> it doesn't. I don't know. Yeah, it seems like he has a couple creature comforts that wouldn't be here. Well, was, I mean, uh, I think that when push came time. to shove, yeah, when push came to shove, it was uh, whether or not Jeff gets to sing the bumpers or Eminem, and yeah. they really couldn't hire. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I, I stood my ground like the Housers. I was like, this is going to be bigger <laughs> than any Eminem song. And I think <laughs> we saw who got proven right. Fine. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> um, All right, my Christian, story, what's your story of the week? Yeah is uh another maybe what will never happen or is no longer happening and it's the a company i don't cover much on this show still um hopefully that will change but i think this blizzard china breakup is fascinating the way it kind of huge news you know, huge tickles tickles my former attorney brain and also my current very video game brain and china is such a large population and large gaming base and they you know, help produce and make some of the biggest games in the world with the, you know, the 10 cents fingers are in everything, but then also in their country itself, there are definitely different rules and regulations on gaming. And also to be an outside country, to bring a game in, there's all these rules and regulations you have to follow. 
and Blizzard had an end. They were following the various rules and regulations, and they had well, some of their biggest games say, over there. Some would say they were pandering. Some would say the, the whole issue with Blizzard over the last five years yeah. is that they've pandered to China too much. Yeah. That, yes, yes. There were protests, uh, you know, it was the last in-person BlizzCon, right? When we that. Was that 2018, yeah. 2019? Yeah. Um, a big hubba and... You know, Warcraft, WoW, Hearthstone, um, Overwatch, Starcraft, Diablo, Heroes of the Storm. It was a licensing agreement between Blizzard and NetEase, and it's uh, it's it's done. <laughs> it's going, yeah. It's, it's going, it's going bye bye. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm shocked by this. This is incredibly surprising news. That it's just like, well, we're gonna close up an entire market where our games are popular. I would understand maybe a country we're not doing Germany for some reason or something, but China, this is a growing market that is incredibly difficult to get to penetrate, to like really gain popularity. And also, like you guys said, there's so many things you have to like as a cultural import to China, so many rules you have to follow. I've heard nightmares about games getting delayed in China for years because of these processes you have to go through. And Blizzard Entertainment has found themselves on the other side of it. They're having licensing agreement issues with this company. But, I mean, really, they're their gateway into this massive market. And they're just saying, uh, you know, maybe it would be easier if we stepped on the other side of this massive process. I'm just, I don't see what, like, the 4D chess move. I'd like to theorize about why is a company doing this, even though I have no real of my, but I can't even pretend to understand. This is wild. Well, well yeah, mean, that's the that's the problem is that we don't we don't know what the what the the problem was, what the the sticking point here is that caused this breakup. Both parties have released statements. Vague yeah, I think these statements. are enlightening. You pulled these quotes, Jeff, and I. Yeah, please read them because I think they're very enlightening in how they're worded and phrased. They're fascinating to me. I, I love them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, uh, so. The, uh, the here's part of the statement. We're, quote: We're immensely grateful for the passion our Chinese community has shown over the nearly 20 years we've been bringing our games to China through NetEase and our partners. Uh, that's Mike Barra, the uh, Blizzard president. Uh, we're, we're super super happy. NetEase says, "Quote: We're deeply disappointed that the uh, respective organizations could not reach a quote renewed contractual agreement." <laughs> uh, everybody's um, oh, here's the Blizzard quote. Uh, we could not uh, renew agreement that is, quote, consistent with Blizzard's operating principles and commitments to players and employees. That's fascinating. Now, part of this, I mean, there's a lot that you can speculate about, and we will, but uh, let's be very clear before the speculations start. We don't know what, what this is about, but as you indicated, Spencer, this is a huge loss a huge hit that blizzard is taking and you would have got to uh, uh, imagine NetEase is taking a pretty darn big hit as well but blizzard to give up that market for these huge franchises it's it's pretty uh it's pretty significant so there would have to be a pretty i i would think pretty significant uh sticking points pretty significant thing that NetEase is asking for that blizzard a line they can't cross right and my speculation, my instinct, hearing how this is phrased, it leads me to believe that this really is one of those things that we've been hearing about for for five years of, you know, 
Blizzard being asked to do something that is fundamentally anti-democratic or oh. you know something so so far afield from that that they would get such a huge blowback as they have in the past that they are now unwilling to take that PR hit and I and I I want to applaud this right I don't know that that's the case if so though I'm glad that Blizzard is at the point now where they're they're saying hey we will give up revenue for principles and I mean that's specifically what they've said blizzard's operating principles and commitments to players and employees so let's hope that it is a principled stance that they're taking um either way it's it's a pretty massive change now having said that there's a pretty large caveat because one of the reasons that blizzard has been so criticized over the last several years is that they have made a game a diablo game diablo immortal uh, specifically for the Chinese market. Uh, it was a mobile game specifically to court the Chinese market. Now it came out here and people tend to really like it. So, you know, it, it potentially is a win-win, but it's a very important to note that that game, Diablo Immortal, does not fall under this agreement that is ending with NetEase, that it is a separate publishing agreement and that it will remain available in China. So the game they made for China is still going to be there in China. So interesting that that somehow, even though everybody's washing their hands of this and both parties are saying how, you know, disappointed they are and, and how, you know, kind of uh, throwing the other side under the bus. They're still working together on some <laughs> level. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine if my coworker said something like, well, to, you know, I can't work with Spencer because to just have a continued, uh, just like good feeling about what we're doing, what our interaction is. But also, if Spencer was to come work with me on the side on a perhaps yeah. more profitable venture, <laughs> yeah, um, right. Right. anytime, man. Yeah, it's awful that we can't work together. We're going to continue working together, but it just, you know. <laughs> I, I read this as, uh, this one contract is expiring and some bad stuff is happening that we can't agree to. But also, man, we still have this other contract <laughs> you know, that you know, the, doesn't, the, doesn't that's expire yet. The yeah, other, that's very true. That's very true. The other weird quote that's been going around that a lot of people have been picked up, have picked up on and, and, and put in their headlines for the story is that one of the – I think it was one of the NetEase uh, executives said something how that's like it's, it's all because of one jerk – Right. One jerk made this happen without any context, without any explanation. So we don't really know what that means, but evidently there's some uh, some incident that happened that's blowing this deal up. And uh, it's it's fascinating. It's going to change. Um, it's going to change Blizzard's bottom line. Certainly it'll change. It could potentially change how these games are made in the future. If they're not thinking about the Chinese market, you know, there could be a lot in the next uh, several Warcraft expansions could you look very, very differently. Uh, and I think that and Hearthstone as well. I mean, it could be very different. It's, it's big. It's big. Yeah, the implications this has, I, it, yeah, is like un, almost understated. Like, it's just like, okay, well, the game won't be sold in China anymore. But gosh, it's just like, uh, that's, I mean, movies went through a similar thing recently is that, uh, you know, China became this huge market. This was maybe a few years back, but China became a massive market for movies and then movies were kind of start made catering to Chinese and uh, overseas audiences because, of course, they want to capitalize and please as many people as possible. 
And uh, we've seen in monetary ways games getting developed in a similar fashion where it's like to to cater to the ways that Chinese players are used to playing and paying for games while well, they're putting in elements that, uh, you know, have different uh, impressions around the world. Uh, in America, maybe not, microtransactions aren't so beloved, but in China, it's just some, a way that you and other regions like India and places like that. That's just ways that you play and pay for games is just it's a free game. And then that, that's just like so beyond normal that they don't. The I, I wonder if the word microtransactions really reads with any uh, like inference other than just like the same way that you would pay for a yeah. game, $70 when you go to GameStop. Yeah, I, does it have the same negative contact, uh, connotation as it does here? I don't, I don't know, yeah. Um, it, 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 I think this is huge. And, and I wonder, Christian, I also wonder how it uh, impacts the potential Microsoft acquisition as, as Microsoft is attempting to uh, you know, get the blessing of all these different countries around the world. Um, and, and it looks like they're having much more difficulty than initially anticipated. Um, you know, they're, hit, they're running into a lot of, uh, uh, you know, monopoly, um, um, you, know, uh, you know, all these different countries have different rules when it comes to stopping monopolies from happening. And they have to pass it, not just in America, but in the EU and all over the place. Uh, and it looks like they're having a harder time with it than we thought. But I wonder if, how, yeah, if this I mean- impacts that. What I always did to stop monopolies from happening is uh, just kind of stash a couple of extra bills under the board on that's my cheating. side. That- that's cheating. <laughs> we don't condone that. We don't condone um, that. The, uh, yeah, I, I, it is fascinating. And I think as well, like, you know, we're just learning about a GTA movie 20 years later. I don't know if we ever learn who this Steve Martin, the jerk character is. You know, like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm leaving and I'm taking this chair and this and this ashtray and I'm leaving. <laughs> hey, are you are you are you pulling a Sereno, Jeff? Are you trying to pull a Sereno right now? I'm trying to pull a Sereno. I love that movie. <laughs> hey, take a look Steve at that. Martin. That is Shinola, and that <laughs> yeah. anyway, very good movie. The jerk, great movie. But I, mean, I, I, I don't know if we'll ever know what you know this means, but it is it, it is huge, and I do think it was worth bringing up. And you know, like I said, I don't talk about uh, Blizzard Activision much right now because of how a lot of things still are at that company. But when something of this magnitude comes in, and, and, and Spencer's right, we did hear about it in movies, and sometimes there are movies that, you know, Disney and stuff, like, well, we're not, it's not going to release in China, but that's okay. We still think we're going to be big enough. But it is a major play, I think, for me here in the U.S. There's often this Western-centric view of what a hit is and how, you know, movies and games come out over here and how they sell. And it is just a blip compared to what a game can be globally uh, you know, in other in other markets, and as from all accounts, in my understanding, these uh, Blizzard games were performing well in China. It wasn't yeah. like, well, they're dwindling, so let's you know pull the plug. Here's this chance. It was this was a solid revenue stream that something happened and and blew this up in a major way. Except as you mentioned, Diablo Immortal. <laughs> that sound you heard was the sound of uh, thousands of gold farmers all screaming at once. uh all right um you guys have left me uh what i believe to be the juiciest of the uh stories of the week Uh, we got a full-on uh massive showcase this week the pc gaming 2023 preview show uh was uh over an hour long showed um i'm guessing uh, um a billion d games a billion d (laughs) i'm checking my notes yep a billion d um so many PC games all coming in 2023. 
loosely uh, organized into uh, genre. <laughs> this this showcase, I thought the showcase was actually pretty good. You know, PC gaming has had a rocky uh, rocky go of it. You know, with their E three presentations and such, uh, because there isn't one thing that's PC gaming, and it, it feels like it's it's this uh, weird smorgasbord that kind of uh, busts at the seams and doesn't really flow very well and it's it's hard to give all the games the the same uh, you know the same time and the same attention and you got so many different kinds of games and there's no real focusing factor through it but i thought this pc gaming 2023 preview show was actually handled pretty darn well and i saw a bunch of things that i'm excited about for 2023 things that i knew about there's a lot of games uh, showcased that i knew about uh, but a bunch of things that were world premieres that were uh, new reveals. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys had a chance to watch the PC Gaming 2023 preview show, but uh, did you either either of you, Spencer, did you see any games that jumped out at you as something you're excited about for, for next year? The one that stuck out to me was um, the game Shadows of Doubt. I'm just really into those like densely packed, small scale, open world investigation type games. This gives me uh, like kind of the feeling of like Return of the Obra Din, where yeah. you're just going around and you have a few tools and, you know, let's uncover what happens. And maybe there's some intrigue along the way, but it's really a story about just like, dang, they really deck this place out. Like, I feel like I'm wandering around in a really realized place. That's what I, That's what I'm hoping for when I watch this. And also I'm just like, Love investigating mysteries and solving yeah. them without, like, on my own. It had a very uh, Blade Runner vibe in the sense of it, that sort of, like, neo-noir. Um, and I, the art style, it's all that voxel, like, um, uh, you know, hyper-detailed, uh, almost Minecraft-looking world. Um, it looked like it had a lot of really, um, uh, yeah, like you said, densely populated uh, city because they can do it with that art style where, you know, there's a lot of detail that, that doesn't take a lot of, uh, you know, doesn't stress the resources uh, as much with the, with that voxel style. A really interesting looking game. That's Shadows of Doubt. Um, any others? Christian, do you have uh, a game that jumped out to you? Yeah, I mean, I think my biggest note for this uh, conference was I found uh, the names to be a little... It, it, not word soupy, but it's like there are I'm already drowning in games, and none of these really jumped out at me. I mean, Warhammer obviously is like, oh, Warhammer, I I know that that's a franchise that's going on forever, but everything seemed to be uh, colon or dashed in mm. a way that was like, I don't know what this. <laughs> what well, this video game games is. have had that have that yes. scourge for a long time, you know. Yes, it is not. They are not alone. Right. Um, the one that I think we'd saw this before, and I was trying to Google. I thought it was already announced, but I really liked the art style and i think we might have talked about it on this show of um artifacts of chaos clash colon yeah, oh man that art style is so weird and different it's, yes yes and it's like humanoid figures but proportions are different and it's like i don't want to say that creepy it's not a horror thing but like it certainly looks horrific in a lot of ways <laughs> yeah it, it puts you it puts you on edge i think a little bit like everything feels just a teensy bit off in a way that things are along it looks like a tim burton Eh, not gothic even like that it's like even more yeah yeah it's, it's it's weird and i feel like we had saw this already because i feel like this was a jeff is right game was delayed but maybe not maybe something different but it's a fascinating style um uh, and it's the type of game that i often like of an action adventure game and i think when something jumps out at me so visually different like that it's often going to stick in my head and you know hopefully it controls well as well because I know, you know, sometimes you see proportions that are different. It's like, oh, how does that animate? How does that move? What does that feel like on the sticks? 
but it's the one that that jumped out at me um you know from from go of like yeah it's this so different like, looking. I think the yeah. gameplay, that they, I, I love the cutscenes and the voice acting seems really well done, but man, the game, the gameplay bits that they showed uh, did not grab me. It looks like a kind of a weird, a third person action beat em up kind of situation. And I was like, oh, that, that stuff looks a little rough. Right. That it has to be how it feels on the sticks because yeah. really early showings of a game I really liked this year, especially when easy mode got patched in. But first showings of Sifu, I remember being like, mm-hmm. ooh, if they nail this combat, this game will be awesome. But I think the very first time I saw it, it seemed floatier than I wanted it to. Yeah. And the second time, I was like, oh, no, no, this is tight, and this is punishing, and this is cool, and this is great. So I hope that when you get hands-on, um, this game will feel tight as well. But I agree. That's the question is, like, if what I'm doing for 20 hours or whatever it is, it's kicking butt. Yeah. It needs to feel really good. Uh, again, that's Clash Artifacts of Chaos. And I believe it was in... A Sony presentation or an Xbox right. I presentation? I feel like we had seen it before, and yeah, I think we for talked sure. about it on this show. We did, yeah. Um, I have a bunch. I Actually, Christian, I thought you were going to bring up gory, cuddly carnage. Because <laughs> 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 it feels like it's kind of like a, a skater, skateboarding, uh, kind of like Tony Hawk, but with like over-the-top violence on it. It looked kind of fun. It's called, They're calling it a skating slash game. Which I, I mean, it's not roller drone, but I also right. I like this genre, right? Of like, yeah. it's like we talked about was it two weeks, multiple times on this show, but these indie games taking this plus this equals this thing, or zoning in on one mechanic of another game and blowing it up in a way. And I, I like that games are finding ways to exist that you can say it's this plus this, but it's also a game that you've never played before. I think is is fun and refreshing. Yeah. Uh, the first game that they showed in the entire presentation, uh, Jump Light Odyssey, which they didn't show any gameplay of, but all of the cutscenes looked like old episodes of Robotech or something from when I was a kid, like early 80s, you know, uh, anime style, cheap animation. But man, it, I, it was so evocative of those old like Robotech or uh, um, what's the other uh, old 80s uh, anime thing that they like co-opted into America. Anyway. Oh. What's that? Oh, I I thought I had it. I oh, swear. Had it. I was like, yeah. something anyway, eagles, something looks, Falcons, but yeah. It looks cool. They're calling it a, uh, a, a, you know, it's a roguelike starship colony sim, which none of those cutscenes kind of evoke. <laughs> yeah, it, it looked much more action-y than that. So I don't know what the game is going to be like, but man, the, uh, you know, the sensibility is is uh, intriguing to me. I want to hear more about Jump Light Odyssey. Um I have I have several more, but Spencer, if you have any, feel free to jump oh, in as well. I, I wanted to talk a little bit more about Jump Light Odyssey because I'm watching it and I'm I was just like thinking, oh, is this like a Space Quest style kind of just like uh, some sort of humorous take on a like recent uh, or like a past genre? I I'm yeah, I just I am just really looking at that one with a big question mark over my head, but at least I'm I'm keeping my eye on it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I I I wonder if the it's going to be very different kind of game than the that that implies, but still I I love that art style. Um there's a few games that they kind of showed very quickly. One of them is called Capes, which basically looks like somebody's remaking Freedom Force. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys remember that game, but that was like 2002 or something like that. It came out it was a uh, it was basically XCOM with superheroes with generic superheroes. And oh my god, I loved that game so much back in the day. Oh, I played so much Freedom Force. Uh, I think Freedom Force Two. I think it has a sequel as well. Uh, but Capes looks like that. Uh, superheroes, um, isometric. You know, uh, kind of XCOM 
tactical combat. I'm in. I'm in. Um, and a game called Songs of Conquest, which I know is already in early access, and I've been tempted to jump in, but I think it's coming out of early access next year. Uh, it's a pixel art version, basically, of Heroes of Might and Magic. And I love, love, love the Heroes of Might and Magic franchise um, and always have. So any game that that is trying to make Heroes of Might and Magic again, uh, I will be very much paying attention to. I'm curious your thoughts on Inkbound, which is another game oh, that yeah. we've seen. And I think it looks beautiful and it has iso. It seems to scratch all of your itches, right? It's oh, isometric. Yeah. It's roguelite. Uh, it has some RPG elements to it, which I guess is also in that, you know modern rogue type games. And I feel like that is the game that is maybe for you uh, yeah. if it has enough of a the roguelike loop is enough to keep you coming back. And I think it's co-op too, right? Or is yeah, it just I think it, it has the co-op ability and it looks like, like the way they indicated that it'll have so much variety and they'll constantly be updating it. They said they're updating it every day to have new new uh, scenarios. Uh, and it's from Shiny Shoe, which is the developer that did Monster Train, which yeah. I loved as well. Monster Train's a great roguelike. Um, so... Yes, very much on my radar, Inkbound, uh, for sure. And, um, I, you know, there's a, a, a few other games. There's a couple of games. Like, there's a game, Cygnus Enterprises, which we, we see so many games that are in the depressing, post-apocalyptic wasteland future. I like when a game is like, hey, there's this slight possibility that the future could be awesome. <laughs> you know, <laughs> your future might yeah. be bright. And this game yeah. looks like... It's got a positive it, outlook. Yeah, I love that. It's like, this might be a sandbox worth at least playing in once. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. we've seen the Earth get destroyed by technology so many times. Can we just kind of, like, chill and be cool for once? Yeah, I'd, yeah I, that yeah. was what really uh, made me interested in this one. Was I was just like, oh. Wait, where? T- okay, wait. Where's the horrible smokestacks that are killing everyone? <laughs> right. Like, wait, yeah, yeah. It's all. It's it's nice. It's like, oh, hey, it's nice to not to dread the future every every game I play. Uh, but but in a future that is dreadful, uh, there are a, a couple of War, Warhammer 40k games. Uh, but Rogue Trader definitely seems like my jam. Um, looks looks pretty cool. Uh, I love how many different kinds of Warhammer 40k games there are. Uh, but this one, uh, man, the art style looks awesome. It's, it, you know, it's uh, turn-based and it looks looks very much like a game I'm going to be into. I wonder if any other franchise, because we talked about, um, what was the game, like the the basically Contra game? Uh, uh, like, uh, the one I've been, I've been just been playing it. Uh, um, it's got a goofy. Shuta, yeah, like, yeah. You know, Steve, uh, what's it called? Uh, Shuta's Blood and Teeth. Yeah. yeah. So Which good. Is like so a Contra fun. game where you're playing as the orcs. Yeah. And. You know, of course, that's not the Warhammer uh, bread and butter per se, but this franchise has been adapted to almost every single type of video game. And also, most are pretty good. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, there is some stinkers, but well, everything sure. is pretty much a, a, a solid attempt. Like, yeah. I can at least see what they're going for. It really is wild that with like probably 50, 60 games under its belt, I've never heard of a Warhammer game that's just like, just grab some cash real quick. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like they're at least trying to make something with this thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That, you know, there's been a few, uh, few, few stinkers, but man. Um, uh, yeah, it seems to be trucking along. And I thought the PC gaming uh, preview was, was pretty darn good. Christian, I was. I was surprised, you know, because they're not really officially affiliated with anybody. They threw some shade. Like they were talking about the, the it ended with their top five, I think, uh, most anticipated games of, of the, of, of the coming year. 
And they were like, yeah, Starbound from Bethesda. We'll see how much of that Bethesda jank it ships with. And I was like, you don't really see that in a in a presentation very often where the the presenters are like, it's probably going to have some bugs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, We're so excited for this game. It might be. Who knows, guys? <laughs> like, yeah. That's. Yeah, I uh, I was very surprised to see them reference that MTV um, style tood to it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. It's also November, which is you know like there's no there's no breath anymore. There's no breath. It, yeah. I mean that yeah. Yeah, it's the most wild thing about it. It's like yeah. oh Sony might do a state of play. Maybe we'll, Nintendo also. I don't think we're gonna talk about it. Nintendo had a nintendo direct mini was that last week i don't know inscription is coming to switch like you can't it's just like <laughs> yeah i know you know it no yeah it's like hey hey uh <laughs> are you excited about the holidays did you make your holiday list you're gonna get some games guess what 2023 has 4,000 games coming <laughs> yeah. like, you know yeah it's uh you, you've beat elden ring already right because it came out in february or march loser oh are you still playing uh are you still playing god of war why that game's been out for five hours beat I know. It. yeah it's There's four again it's all <laughs> You know, you know what I mean? Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, speaking of too many games, we got games to talk about ourselves. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor. Our sponsor, Squarespace. Squarespace. They have sponsored the show since we began. Lo, those many years ago. And I'm happy to talk about Squarespace because I've been using it. I've been recommending it to my friends and family for uh, a decade. <laughs> more uh and uh jeffcanada.com was built on squarespace housed on squarespace and now squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online you can stand out with a beautiful website that has always been the case with squarespace but now they have new tools to help you engage your audience and sell anything your products the content you create and even your time they have member areas that make it easy for creators to monetize their content and expertise in a way that fits their brand. You can unlock a new revenue stream for your business with their member areas. Free up time in your schedule by selling access to gated content like videos, online courses, and newsletters. Those videos are easy to produce because Squarespace has their own video studio app that helps you make and share engaging videos to tell your story, grow your audience, and drive sales. Plus, if you sell something, you can do so in an online store. It makes it easy to sell physical or digital goods. Squarespace just makes it so simple. They have the tools you need to start selling online immediately. In fact, I believe, Christian Spicer, your new website built on Squarespace as well, right? ChristianSpicer.com just recently launched. Yes, also built on Squarespace. I love it. I've been getting good feedback. Uh, I'm moving my blog over there because... Uh, my micro blogging because other places are other places. But yeah, ChristianSpicer.com built entirely on uh, Squarespace. They have those blogging features, fully integrated commenting system that supports threaded comments and replies and likes. They have powerful blogging tools to categorize, share, and schedule your posts, analytics to help you grow your business in real time, everything you could possibly need. So check it out. Head over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me for a free trial. And then when you're ready to launch, use our offer code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. You'll save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain that is squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. 
for that free trial. And then Jeff sent me when you check out for 10% off. Thanks again to Squarespace. We really appreciate it. All right, let's talk about the games we have been playing in a segment we call The Playlist. Spencer, what have you been playing this week? Uh, I've been singing a lot of time. I'm still working my way through God of War Ragnarok. Like you guys said, it feels like I'm late. Like, didn't the game come out last week? But it feels like everyone is done talking about it. I'm plugging away with me and my boy. And uh, I'm having a great time with it, to be honest. Yeah, it's so good, right? It's so, so good. Um, I re- yeah, I replayed the 2016 God of War leading into this. And it's just, whoa, I just was sitting there playing the game. How are they going to top this? I have no clue how they're going to, like... Go, I don't even know what one step beyond that God of War game is for God of War. And then I play this and I'm having so I'm just having a great time. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, you know, as we've said a number of times, I think that the game really does start very familiar and you go, oh, they didn't. They, it's just more of, of God of War from the 2018. And then you go, you know, it, it, you know, about, I don't know, three or four hours in, it starts revealing its newness that it's innovation it, the way they're they're changing up not just the story but the things you get to do in the world and at that point i feel like you go oh oh they really did want to unveil new things they really did want to add new experiences and not just give you more of what was already great yeah, exactly. I'm just playing and like it, the way that it'll no spoilers, it'll just let you start doing something right away. Like it'll just introduce you to something completely new and you don't even know you have the controller yet, you know, yeah. that you can't. It's just like start going in this completely new way. Not no tutorializing, no handoff, no nothing. It's just let's uh, let's go right now. We're using a brand new mechanic that wasn't in the last game or, or it's great. I love it so much. Yeah, it's it's just such a joy to 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 do minute to minute, and then the overall sort of meta experience of experiencing the story and going through. They, it really nails both levels of that that immediate joy of just it's just fun swinging the axe. It's fun swinging the chains. It's fun being Kratos, uh, but also the larger experience of exploring that world and and the, all the world building they do. I feel like the world building here is even more dense and more interesting than the first game. Uh, and, you know, you get that secondary level of enjoyment as well throughout it. It really is a masterclass in, in video game design as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I think I'll talk about this at the end of the year or some again as well. But um, I, I truly think what God of War Ragnarok does for the open world formula is up there with some of the game's maybe not on the same plane as how Breath of the Wild, you know, changed the system from kind of the Ubisoft kind of standard open world we had seen forever. But I do think what it does to its open world approach, especially coming off of 2018, is really worthy of a a broader discussion than I think I've seen a lot of other people give it. And Elden Ring as well, kind of how it took its own slant to what an open world game can be. But Ragnarok, I think there's a way that, and I've probably said this before, um, is uh, maybe even in more depth than our, our spoiler conversation, Jeff. But there's a way to play that game 
that I think for a lot of folks might feel like uncharted, you know, sure. And then yeah. there's a way where you are digging around in the map and opening it up. And I think a lot of open world games don't give you that option. A lot of open world games, I think, like to kind of flex, like, look at my map, <laughs> you know, yeah. regale in my, my markers on my map. And the way God of War Ragnarok balances that approach in delivering its story, but also opening itself up to um, broader exploration. We had people, I won't say what they said, but we had people reaching out to us after our spoiler chat being like, oh, you guys clearly didn't do this side mission. And I was like, clearly we didn't. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was going to bring that up as well. Yeah, there was there was a, a plot point uh, from the main plot that we, uh, we talked about. And uh, there is more context to that plot point that you have to sort of seek out and find. And I think that's so rad. Um, and I love, I love that we missed it. You know, I love that the, it's, it's there, it's deeper in the world and there's more stuff to, to discover. And, you know, I, it's, it, it's an amazing thing that they've, uh, they've built the world like that. Uh, it's, it's so good. So good. Yeah. I, yeah. I love when a game isn't afraid to hide something from yes. me. Even though it, many people might deem it essential, but when a game is brave enough to sit there and go, okay, but you're going to have to commit a little bit more of your time. It's not that much more effort or whatever, but it, and it's going to be more fun, but this is a little off the path. And if you're okay with doing that, I'm going to reward you. Whereas I feel like there are a lot of games that just want to show you everything they can do. And, oh man, isn't this so cool? Isn't that so cool? And just really, they want to lead you down a path towards those things having right. those things that are key to your experience just behind a bush, you know, even right. so fun. <laughs> are you playing it, uh, Spencer, are you playing it on, uh, on PlayStation five or four? Five. Yeah. yeah. That's my yeah. biggest gripe, honestly, with the game as, as undoubtedly gorgeous as it is. Um, I'm not missing out on any, I think, uh, visual splendor per se, but I do wonder what that game would have been like in, in we, we're talking a lot about alternate futures uh, or alternate <laughs> presence uh, here this episode in, in the alternate world where you know covid didn't happen and the playstation 5 wasn't supply constrained and we're in the you know the real meat of a console generation rather than this this situation where it had to be released on playstation 4 and 5 i would love to know what god of war ragnarok looks like if it's a pure playstation 5 game um because Clearly, you know, you still, as you did in the first, uh, the 2018 version, you still have to, you know, go through those gates and wander around on that loading screen, uh, you know, masked as as content. Yeah. Uh, that path that just waits for a, a door to open up. And, it, you know, it's not awful. It's it, You're listening, invariably, you're listening to people, you know, the characters talk as you're doing that. But I would love to know what this game design-wise would have been like if they had been making it just for PlayStation 5, could have really leaned into that, you know, fast load time. Uh, and I'm not even talking visually. I'm not even talking graphics. I'm just talking like how how the game would be structured if they didn't have to worry about, you know, loading in things uh, on the PlayStation saying, 4. You're saying that every stone cliff would be wide enough for them just to walk through and not slowly squeeze through? Is that, yeah, is that exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No yeah, mass load something. times, you know? Yeah. Yes, that was something in the 2018 when I was like, okay, I'm just going to say into the air, I hope this is not, you know, there, if I were picking one thing to take out, it would be these things, which seem necessary, but on PS5, who knows, maybe the magic of the machine, 
but uh, no, they're still there. Um, those because yeah. I remember playing Miles Morales, where between like going into a building and coming out, there's no literally no load time. Right. You're inside a building fighting bad guys, and you jump right out and you're swinging around New York. I mean, that was something that when I played it on PS5 my brain broke i was just i can't believe i'm doing this this is the next generation of video games wow just no load times i feel like i'm me in the game i never have to break part from it mentally you know and and i was so excited for this console generation just stand like wow i can't believe we're only at the beginning and it just still feels like we're at the beginning i'm shocked yeah well we are i mean it's it's a weird situation but uh, I would just have loved to have seen this game if it was unconstrained in that way. But still, what we get is is pretty special. Yeah, um, it's, I'm loving it. What else is on your playlist? Um, I've been playing. So I something that I am always playing is the F1 video game. I'm a huge F1 fan, but I'm also a massive fan of this game because during COVID, I have this magical story that I would love to share where me and eight of my friends uh, – who we all just got together and said, hey, let's play this F1 game. None of us have ever played. We're all terrible. We play, we've play. we been playing for two years every single Tuesday. Wow. We had a league. We keep track of our points. We're, I mean, we are as in as you can get at this game. I mean, EA should like make a video documentary about us. Like It's just like <laughs> so, so, we are so, we have missed probably three weeks. And it is the most fun I have every week is playing this game. It's a little bit janky. It doesn't always listen to you. You know, like we, you can crash and your night is over because we do one race every, every week. And it's just the most high stakes a video game can get when you're playing with more. I've felt more intensity playing this game than any match of Warzone or any, anything. Yeah, it is a blast. I, I, explain to me are all of these group of friends are they all super into f1 is that why this is the game we really started getting into it at the same time i Mm. think our love of the game enhanced our love of the sport and respect for the sport and love and respect it's just this feeding this machine that feeds itself because i mean the most common topic of conversation is i cannot believe people do this in real life while we're playing the game it feels like a video game you know yeah yeah uh, I, I recently was recommended that F1 series on Netflix. Um, what, it's called like Road to Glory or something like that. Um, uh, it's Drive to Survive. Drive to Survive. I, Similarly, I I'm pretty sure I nailed it. Name. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I, I'm a, you know, as people who listen to the show know, I'm a, I'm a car uh, idiot. I don't know anything about cars and I, I, I've never been particularly interested in NASCAR or, any, or F1 or any of it. But uh, I, I love that the that sort of documentary series makes it compelling because it's a good documentary series. You know, it's like any any topic would be compelling framed in that way. Um, but uh, it's so interesting to me that you all gravitated to this game and have stuck with it. Has there been ever been any notion of moving on to a different game or making that Tuesday? It's just we're just in this because we love this and yeah, there's momentum. F1 is always the base. It's always like level one. Like we are playing F1. Maybe we'll throw in you know, like a little FIFA here, or maybe Warzone or whatever. People are like, okay, I'm going to bed. They live in different time zones or whatever. But it, the core of the game, we call it Tuesday nights at the track. Every Tuesday night, we're racing a new track and it's just like, yeah, punting each other off the track. And like, it's just like that kind of true 
I mean, that's what video games to me, the dream is still alive of getting together with your buds, playing some games and just having fun. That's yeah. why are there so few games where you can do that with eight people, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm extremely jealous of this notion. I, this idea of, <laughs> of sticking to something that long. I mean, I guess the closest I've ever had is, is world of Warcraft rating, but even that it felt, you know, never felt like what you're describing, where it's consistent and, and, and communal and um, for, you know, the brief periods, it'll be really intensely communal. And then, you know, people splinter off or whatever. I, I, this this sustained thing over two years is such a romantic notion to me. You know, capital R. Um, yeah, really cool. Uh, yeah, I, it's honestly the best thing. It's one of the best things. I have a lovely girlfriend as well that I'd love to give a shout out to. But this is this is up there. It's the best. Yeah, yeah. amazing. That's a F one. You're playing uh, the 2022 version of, of the. And I F1 do. Game. I I do want to share one um, fun fact about this group. It is with uh, someone else who is also named Jeff Kanata is in my racing group. What? <laughs> yes. Is that Another true? Person with the exact name Same Jeff Kanata. It's same spelling. He said, yeah, this what? guy stole all my, I wanted those names on social media and I can't have them because he has them all. That's you. Is this, yeah. You wow. have directly impacted this person's life. I just in this podcast, this is this is entrapment. This has been planned for weeks, <laughs> yeah. wow. uh, months, years. Anyway, Jeff I have your passwords. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I must keep destroy talking. Him. He's hacking. He's hacking your network <laughs> yeah. right now, Jeff. We, I'm in the there, there can be only one. I <laughs> must destroy him. Um, wow. Well, we'll give my best to Jeff Kanata. I will. I will. I, for I sure. apologize that he that I've taken on. You know, there's a there's also a Jeff Kanata that is a musician. Uh, was like the musician Jeff Kanata. But, oh wow! Yeah, he's I, feel, I feel like everyone has a musician alter ego. There's a there's a bassist Spencer Campbell as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been trying to defeat him over my entire life, and on Google, it's been a tough fight. I want to know if I'm related to your friend. I bet I, <laughs> I bet we are related in some. Who way. knows? Yeah. yeah, could be. Uh, wild, wild. Uh, I gotta get into <laughs> F1, Christian. There's. <laughs> ultimate me is just doing it what, yeah what pulls you in is just to be a better ranked jeff canada on the <laughs> <F1>. <laughs> amazing uh all right you have something else on your playlist right dispenser yeah this is one it's just a quick one i want to give this game a plug because there aren't enough people playing it it's legends of runeterra it's the it's riot games league of legends card game and it's a blast if you like hearthstone or uh you, marvel snap i know people are like oh going wild about well maybe when you kind of step away from that game or maybe you want a little something adjacent it's a little slower not as high octane mm-hmm. legends of runeterra you can unlock every card with a, i've never paid for the game and i feel like i've gotten a lot of like really great cards it's not about opening packs and all these things it's a really lovely game then i think more she, people should be trying out all right Leg- i have not tried legend of runeterra i should but uh, I am one of those people that is uh, completely consumed by Marvel Snap. So I don't <laughs> exactly. know how, that's, how it's possible for me to step away from it. But at some point, I probably will. Oh, my God. It takes over. It has taken over my life. It is, it is I, ridiculous. It's scared to get in. It's, it, it looks so fun that I'm just like, I, I'm, I've been working on a lot of contract work lately. And it's like, if I get into that, some other part of my life is going to suffer. It's, <laughs> it's real bad. Uh, that's Legends of Runeterra. Uh, Christian Spicer, you got that new beefy jeepy. I can. I talked a little bit about it on our Wednesday show on paid DLC, and um, Jeff tried to put me in a corner on last week's main show. On a corner, and he tried to put me on a corner. Jeff, he tried to drop me off at a corner, <laughs> and I said, uh, "No, sir, take me to the cul-de-sac." Um, 
in a corner by referencing a beefy GP that I was not allowed to confirm nor deny in that moment. Now you can both um, confirm and deny it. <laughs> I do and do not have um, the kind people over at NVIDIA sent a RTX 4080 um, my way to play and test around on and uh, you know use and install the giant brick that it is into my thankfully large enough brick enough of a uh, of a tower PC and I want to talk about games I've been playing I want to talk about DLS 3.0 that's what I, I want to hear is DLS 3.0 baby DLSS. you've heard some of this other stuff I, I want to talk about that but I also need to talk about initially up front um, how big of a GPU the 4080 is like I, mean, I think people have it's said the BC, same size it is a beefy GP, and if you have a pro controller with back pap, backy pappies, back what is it? The pappies. Now we're just making everybody annoyed. Um, uh, now this, it's a, <laughs> <laughs> starting this episode. Um, First it, time it, ever. <laughs> it it is the same size as a forty ninety, and it, it's one of those things that I'm gonna. I need to describe because I don't think you comprehend how big it is when you see pictures of it. It is like the PlayStation 5. When people got PlayStation 5s and went out to press, it was like, this thing is huge. And everybody's like, yeah, it's huge. I get it. Consoles are big. And then whenever, if you were ever lucky enough to get one home in your house, I remember I opened it and I was like, why did no one tell me how big this thing was? (laughs) (laughs) It's so big. And the the 4080 is the same way. I, I posted... Uh, over on um, elon.com backslash Spicer, I posted comparison pictures of when I was allowed to post them of the 3080 next to the 4080. And the 3080 is not, it's not like a tiny GPU. You know, it's not like, oh, I went from this microscopic iPhone 12 mini. Now I have the 14 Pro Max. It's like, no, that was a also a decent sized GPU. So this 4080 is massive. It either needs a, uh, oh gosh, I should have looked up the other cable, like the, a 12 pin connector or it comes with an adapter for three independent coming off of your PSU eight pin, excuse me, connectors coming into this thing to, to, to power this thing. It, it is, connects it is directly big. to the electric company. It's not, it doesn't even go <laughs> to your house. It's like, right. Well, is that, you know, that, you know, that cord that doc Brown uses on the top of the clock tower, you know, that, that cord is what you plug into your GPU now. Yeah. yeah you did, have you have your, did you have to buy a, a new PSU? I, that thing is no, so my, my, powerful. My PSU was already big when I built my computer, you know, whenever it was four years ago. I, I intentionally over, you know, PSU'd it in, in anticipation of what this thing would be or, you know, kind of trying to keep it as future-proof as possible and getting a more expensive PSU in terms of things that you upgrade. It wasn't that much more expensive to, to you know, go bigger than what I needed at the time. But yes, I, I could totally see people needing to upgrade their PSU just for the power. I think it asked for a 750. Um, and I have an 850X in mine Corsair. And so the, I have the headroom there. So I, I need to say that, right? Like pictures don't, in my opinion, don't do it justice. It is large. I will also say it is expensive. I did not pay for mine, full disclosure. The MSRP on it on this Founders Edition is 1199 there's no way that I can talk about how blown away I am by this card without acknowledging the price tag of what this will be for most people. And it's in the spot where 
Uh, I talk about this with Apple products a lot, where the 4090, which is a better card by all metrics, you know, you get beefier GPs with the 4090. It feels weird to say this. I realize what I sound like. It's only, <laughs> you know, like $400 more. And it's like, oh my God, that's, that, that's, his, oh, that's a Steam Deck. You know, it's a Steam Deck more. But you start getting into these price points of like, well, you know, yeah, how, I'm already in for a penny, in for a pound. You know, like how much more is this? And I have bought many an NVIDIA GPU prior to this. I have been on, you know, Team Green or whatever. It has been my GPU of choice as long as I've been buying and building PCs. Um, but it is, it is hard to comprehend, you know, we talked about this when it was announced, kind of what this price point is and what kind of gains would air quote warrant that. And then also we talked about just now with God of War Ragnarok, how consoles are still largely straddling this last gen, uh, console or Xbox series games need to run on the series S. And what does that mean for games? So how much headroom do you need to get? In, in, in your GPU or how much headroom can PC, how much more can PC games push? And I think it's an important thing to talk about in regard to this GPU and especially its price. And somehow compartmentalizing all of that stuff away, I will say that this is far and away the best GPU I've ever used and ever played games on. And it's the first GPU that delivers the promise of the premise of honest to goodness 4K gaming. Whereas before, when did we first start talking about that? The PS3? I don't, <laughs> like, I don't yeah, remember. Right, like, maybe. They, they put 4K on the box the way I think PS5 puts 8K on the box. And it's like, <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no way. And with this RTX 4080, I can legit run games at 4K with high settings or max settings and have good frame rates. And that, to me, is a sign of how demanding true 4K really is. But where this thing shines, Jeff, and is what you wanted to talk about, is DLS 3.0 and what it does for games in terms of the step up that I think it is from DLS 2. It has um, AI super resolution and AI frame generation, which it's not only doing the enhancement of um, the resolution enhancement that what you know, you'd see in DLS2, but then it's using, and I'm not going to do the nitty gritty terms of proper nouns of these, of these things at the cores and whatever are happening, but it's create, it's using AI to create a large chunk of frames that didn't exist, you know, in, in these games without this, technology that is in this uh you know the next step of what dls is creating and the gains that i see in the games that currently support dls 3.0 are phenomenal absolutely phenomenal like so cyberpunk 2077 i think i talked about this on wednesday a little bit like a notoriously demanding pc game uh, going from an rtx 3080 ti with dls 2 which was already great. NVIDIA says you're going to get 57 frames per second. In my testing with the 4080 and DLS3, I was crushing, with ray tracing, I was crushing over 100 frames per second, just cruising around Night City. And it fundamentally changes that game, in my opinion. Where like, I played it on PC, and I think 
I forget if I had it as one of my five favorites of the year. Like we had good things to say about it. Cyberpunk certainly had its issues for what it promised and what it launched, but running it on PC with the beefy GP when it came out, you kind of got the promise of that premise of the game. But being able to run it consistently at such a high frame rate, the game world now to me is just a vibe. Like it's just, yeah, maybe the human eye can't perceive over 60 frames per second, but I can feel it. It's so smooth and such a different environment to be driving around in with all of the ray tracing on and, and DLS 3.0 turned on to make it this silky smooth thing where I kind of just have found myself going back to the game just to be and exist in it in a way that I was never motivated to do before because it just felt a, a little soupy, <laughs> you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Where it's just Now it's buttery. Now it's buttery. Yes, yes. It's like going maybe from GTA 3 when Eminem was going to be the star <laughs> to uh, GTA 5 where they say, no, thank you, what are movies? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then the other games I played on it with DLS 3.0 that currently support it, Plague Tale Requiem, which I raved about that game earlier. Gorgeous game. Gorgeous game. And I'm, I'm getting like over 120 frames per second, which again maybe not perceivable to the human eye, but walking through those environments and seeing everything with the, you know, like super resolution turned on and knowing that the the graphical headroom or the performance headroom that I have, that's not even pushing this thing to the max. I mean, it is stunning, Jeff. It is. Christian, are you going to make me spend $1,200 right now? Is that what you're going to do? <laughs> okay. Well, I'll trying to get one in my cart right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you should spend sixteen hundred on the forty nine. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's the dumb part. Um, and the, the, uh, uh, I'm trying to think if there were other. Oh yes, um, I. So I got. I was playing. Uh, I got a code for Cyberpunk. My Cyberpunk uh, was a on a different PC branch that you know whatever at the time when I was reviewing it didn't have DLS 3.0 so I needed to disclose I got a code for that and but I went and bought Spider-Man Remastered on PC because I don't I didn't have that on PC you know I played it on PS5 and it was fantastic on on PS5 right um I knew that it was a game that supported DLS 3 and uh 99.9999% that Miles Morales also does uh, I'm almost certain I'll say it does I'll just I'll just say it does I would be shocked um, if it didn't yeah I'd yeah it has yeah yeah my friends, again, turning all of that stuff on and just crank, swinging through New York City. It was already a beautiful PC port, and I, I cannot. It's, it's night and day. It, it truly is. Like I'm the person that's like, I think when I played Miles Morales before they instituted uh, Insomniac had put the 40 frame VRR mode in, I was like, I really like 30 frames. I like ray tracing. I was an idiot and I was a dumb baby. I was a big, <laughs> I was a big, dumb Glad baby. Glad you, you say that finally. <laughs> oh, no, it's going to be edited out. Yeah. The next episode no, is going to be gonna me, be me your... saying, I take that bet. I'm a big, dumb baby. Uh, <laughs> it's it is, it's jaw-dropping, again, because all the ray tracing is turned on you know, to max and uh, with the LS3 on, I have super high frame rate it, I mean, it is just, it's just a joy to, to traverse. So taking these games that already make it a joy to traverse and then adding in these super high frame rates. Um, yeah, I, I, it's weird because part of me says I feel bad saying this, but it is incredible. The, the 4080 is absolutely blowing me away in terms of the gains that I am seeing in these DLS 3.0 games. But even in games without it, you know, it has 
sizable, real gains, not going from like a 1080 to, you know, what you'd see to go into a 48 or something that large. Um, but it's, I mean, it's, it's wild. It's, it's absolutely wild. And they talk about, I didn't test this cause I didn't do the 180 gig install that flight sim would be, but that, you know, part of the stuff they're, their PR touts that it also helps with CPU limited games like flight sim mm-hmm. in terms of like what DLS 3.0 can do to help with those types of frame rates. And so right now I think there's like 30 to 40 games that support DLS 3.0, but the promise there is that the same ease in which DLS two was implemented into games applies to DLS three. And I said it when I was buying their GPUs, I, I truly think stuff like this that NVIDIA is doing pushes the genre forward in ways that, you know, maybe don't get as much, time on air as other innovations that we see in gaming with like the dual sense or you know nintendo pushing things forward but with like ray tracing being a thing that you just talk about as as commonplace in what a game can be with you know ai helping with the rendering i think maybe we will actually live in a world where maybe we will get 8k games <laughs> yeah you know because we'll have the power to do that you know with um with DLS 8.0 or you know whatever it ends up being, but guys, I, I mean, it, there's no way around that it's twelve hundred dollars, but it, it 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 truly blows me away in what this thing can do. It's uh, real impressive. Wow, I want one, but uh, I'm glad that I'm just glad that my computer is now uh, a bag of garbage. It's a bag. <laughs> Of garbage that I use <laughs> to play video games on, evidently. Um, it's it's wild to me. It, I think it just says like how and where you play games is almost as important as how you're like the device you have to play the power of the device. Yeah. Because I split my time PC gaming pretty evenly between Steam Deck, which I'm like I can get a locked twenty frame. This is great. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm Spider Man on Steam Deck. Look at these thirty frames. I can't believe I'm Spider Manning uh, around New York on a Steam Deck. And I'm like, this is so fun. This is how all games should be played portably. And then I sit at my PC and my eyes melt. And I'm like, I'm an idiot. This is the only way to play a game. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, nice. you got that beefy GP and it's making me very jealous. But what else is on your playlist? Yeah, the other thing that is a, a very antithesis to those. And I, I saw this in our uh, Discord. So shout out uh, to people doing uh, the, the lifting for me. But they updated Vampire Survivor on xCloud to support touch controls. Uh, and I know that Vampire Survivor, there are mobile, quote, versions of Vampire Survivor, and it took inspiration for the other. But all I'm saying is that I have Vampire Survivor on my phone now, and that game's still real good. And I, mean, it, I love it. I, I adore that game, but I don't know if I want to play it as a touch game. Is it fun? I feel like my yes. finger is going to get in the way of all those hordes no. of enemies that are spiraling no because you're you're it's, it's but the beauty of why it works so well for touch is that it's just one it's just your thumb yeah it's just a thumb yeah i'm pushing a button because it's auto firing so yeah. you get your thumbstick That's off true. to the left of the screen you just tap you, you just tap the the blue xp thing and your dude runs that direction you tap another direction your dude runs that direction that's how it works i'm not tapping i just have my thumb on the oh, you're just side constantly moving around kind of but it's not like tight it's not like oh i slid too far up now i'm off the oh is it is it it's virtual stick it's not uh it's not like tap to where you want to go yeah it's virtual stick because i can imagine a tap to where you want to go might be actually kind of cool it could maybe work i feel like i'm moving 
more constantly. I'd be like yeah, happy true. constantly. That's true. Yeah, um, true. Yeah. The thing that kind of blo- <laughs> it keeps like breaking my brain is when I'm in the menu, I try to tap what I want to do. You know, it's like upgrade and yeah. get this, and I try to tap, and it's like, oh no, no, I need to use the virtual jumps uh, thumbstick and then hit the virtual A button. <laughs> it's like only, but it's in those pause moments, so it's fine that it takes me that second, but it plays so flawlessly on touch with that virtual uh, stick that I forget that I'm mimicking virtually, uh, <laughs> you know, an Xbox controller over my overlay. Right. But it's awesome. At, you know, again, X Cloud mileage might vary. Um, but it's such a fun way to play that game. And now it's, it's real bad knowing that I have it with me at all times, Jeff, it's real bad. That that's exactly what I'm afraid of. Is like, <laughs> I, I can't tell. I do. I didn't even download it to my Xbox because it's like, I cannot have this game everywhere. I can Spencer, only play it when I'm you sitting on my to, desk. Yeah. You don't need to download it, Spencer. You already have it. Oh, Too it's late. in the cloud. Too late. You already, already have got it. me. <laughs> You're playing it right now. No. Yeah. It's just waiting for me to hit that cloud button and it'll be ready to go any moment. It's right yeah. there. It's right okay. there. It's real nice. It's real nice. Uh, I've been playing a bunch of stuff uh, lately, uh, some of which I can't talk about yet. But one of the games uh, that I did play this week is on Xbox Game Pass, and it's a game called Somerville. Xbox Game Pass, very good week for Xbox Game Pass games, by the way. Um, Somerville is uh, a game from uh, a new studio called Jump Ship, which was started by one of the guys uh, that did uh, Limbo, which is one of my favorite indie games of all time. And uh, Somerville very much has some Limbo DNA. If you remember, Limbo is 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 a game. It's sort of two D, uh, very stylized, very um, very stark, very um, uh, dangerous. You know, trying to survive and do puzzles and get you know left to right two D kind of two point five D kind of experience. And Somerville has all of those qualities as well. In fact, the beginning of of Somerville is one of the most incredible starts to a video game I've seen in a while. It is so striking, so cinematic, so immediately compelling. Uh, the idea it, you play as a, um, well, initially, the very first few seconds of the game, you play as a little toddler, which I thought was cute, as your parents are asleep on the couch, this toddler walking around. Uh, but then uh, you you play as a, uh, the dad of this father of this uh, toddler, and um, there is uh, a sort of War of the World style alien invasion that happens as you're in your house with your family, and it is incredibly well executed. It is so so cinematic, so pulse pounding. The game lures you into this sort of sense of of of, of calm and domesticity, and then just breaks all of that in such a cool way. I thought, oh my God, this is going to be one of my favorite games of the year. This is incredible. I am so in. I started texting my friends. You guys got to gotta play this. Well, I got very disappointed by Somerville, <laughs> sadly, uh, after that. Did you send those? Did you send those texts or was it still like, did someone just see like an ellipsis and like, oh, Jeff's yeah. texting me. I wonder what he's going to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's weird that Jeff's text never came through. Um, it starts so strong. And, um, unfortunately, I mean, it, there is interesting stuff that happens, uh, a very short game, like three to four hours tops. Um, but man, this game is, is harmed by its own execution, which is sadly ironic to say, since the 
I think the thing I was just praising of its beginning is how well executed the beginning is. But just on a pure uh, controlling the main character point of view, it is unnecessarily frustrating constantly. Uh, this is a game that ha- is beautifully art directed. I beautifully art directed. It's it's it expresses all of its very I think deep and compelling story non verbally. There's no text. There's no spoken dialogue. Uh, very these are very sort of um, um, abstracted characters. Kind of don't have faces. Very minimalist. Uh, but you get what's happening uh, with just a few gestures and the the way they're animated. But controlling the dude is excruciating. He moves very slowly, very cumbersome. And so much of what you need to do at any given moment is walking around the screen and figuring out where is the little pathway that I need to walk on? Where, how do I stand in the exact spot to trigger the thing that, well, it seems I should be able to trigger that thing, Hmm, but I can't. That's weird. All right, well, I'll keep looking for him. I guess that wasn't, it seemed obvious as the, it seems like a really clear way to, all right, but I'm, nothing's happening. Okay, so I gotta, I'll spend another 15 minutes searching every other aspect of this. Well, I guess I'll just come back to the original thing that I thought, oh, I could stand right here and it works. Oh, right here's where I needed to stand to make it work. That was 15 this- minutes of wasted time. Oof. This is astonishing to hear from you because Inside and Limbo, the games that you're talking about yes. are games that are masterful in exactly that. In the, in the game is able to like express itself in the way that the characters move. There are parts of both of those games where you lose control of your character or there are things that alter the way your con- character controls or the way that your character controls other things. There are submarines. There's like little things mm-hmm. where you can control other people. There's worms that make it so that you walk backwards. And yeah. like there's all these things that are just like c- the way you control your character, I would say, is at the core of both of the games that I have been told lay the foundation for this one. And what you're telling me is uh, that, yeah, don't worry, that stuff's not in this one. I'm shook. Well, there's... Interesting control stuff, but it, it just the 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 execution of of just the moment to moment feeling of controlling the main character is not good. It feels Ugh. bad. It it is poorly tuned. It is poorly um, uh, uh, just needing to be in the exact right spot. And if you're not in the exact right spot, it's not clear where the exact right spot. And I don't think the game does a great job of giving you context clues of where you need to go. And so much of this game is learned by dying, which I don't really love in and of itself, but there was a lot of learned by dying in, in inside and in limbo, but it was kind of fun because your death was always, uh, you know, spectacular and, and over the top and weird. And then you would try it a, d- a different way, but this game, I mean, there are sequences where that I would do four or five times. And I was like, I hate this. Because <laughs> I know what I need to do. It's just the doing of it that is janky and bad. It's bad. Like the guy, I get hung up on the geometry and so I die because I'm not running away from the thing fast enough. Or I I took one tiny little wrong move and the, the I, you can't do it the first time right because there's no good context clue to show you where you needed to go. So, okay, well, I died now. And sometimes you can go move in three dimensions and sometimes you can't. And it's not really clear when you can and when you can't. It's 
it's just so poorly executed on the basic fundamental controlling a video game level that it ruins what is, I think, a very beautiful, artful experience. Um, Jeff, I have I have bad news. Right. Um, I think you uh, shifted in your seat a little bit as you were mm. um, talking about your critiques of the game, and it it didn't register. So um, I have to do that. All to, I basically died and have to do that again. Yeah, yeah. You got to try to sit a little more to your left. It's um, bad, man. It's bad. That's such a bummer. It's that's such, such a, a bummer. Frustrating frustrating experience and it's like and you feel i feel like i'm fighting the game i'm fighting the game and it's 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 beautiful but it's like i mean there are moments on the screen like it does this thing where the camera is always sort of detached and far back and you will you know you unlike limbo and inside which are um you know, purely 2D experiences, there is some depth that you can play with and you'll find like a little pathway where it's like, oh, it looks like I can walk up there. And and you'll walk behind something that obscures your view and your guy will not ab- appear on the other side of the thing. And you're like, well, did I hit something? Am I not supposed to go this way? Or am I just not going the exact tiny little degree behind that thing where my view is obscured, where I could get through there? It's... It's like the whole time I'm just fighting the game and that's, it, it, it ruins this, it ruined it for me. It ruined the experience. I mean, there's, there's some cool stuff that happens, some really cool stuff, but it's also a game that's strangely um, for as emotional and compelling as that beginning is. It's also a game that's sort of weirdly detached and unemotional. Like it doesn't, it doesn't dramatically build in a way that, I would have expected from the way the beginning of the game lays out the scenario. It's so, it feels like, Oh my God, I am so invested in this, this family and this guy that I'm playing as. And you know, you play as the toddler at the beginning, I'm invested in this and the whole rest of the game is just like, it, it ignores the emotion of every moment. It just presents things so matter of factly and without any kind of, emotional weight or dramatic tension it, anyway it, it's it feels like such a missed op- opportunity because it's a really cool premise a really smartly designed world and and um it it drew me in from the word go and it just squandered all of it in my opinion so i wonder if eminem will be cast to play that toddler i, hope so. I do think it would make a great movie somerville i do think it would it's a really cool i mean it's war of the worlds ish but it's got a its own kind of um twist and the the ending is very interesting but man to get there it's just it's just a fight <laughs> it's a fight and it's not fun and that's about yeah anyway so that's Somerville. uh all right you know we're we're already going pretty long but spencer you had both a board game and a vr game that you were willing to talk about which would you prefer to do Ooh, um I think I'd like to talk about of uh, the VR actually. Yeah. All right. We can just yeah, we can just talk about one which I'm a big VR evangelist. I love VR. I think it's a really interesting thing. It's a new thing. It's in the space of technology and gaming, which are both great interests of mine. And I'm a pretty I'm an evangelist for it despite like I hate how the entire new I have to talk about 19 things that I don't want to talk about like the metaverse right. and NFTs and all this nonsense when I'm like I just want to put a headset on and like I don't know have a good time is can we do that 
first and then talk about this weird thing, monetization thing over here. It's wild. Well, let me do this weird thing first. All right, now we're securely in the VR segment. So uh, which headset is your headset of choice these days? I have the Valve Index, which is I, I bought it at launch. I was I got it on launch day. I love I you know I'm a big early adopter of these kinds of things, and I love it. But it is starting to. I'm looking at some of the uh, like competitors and getting a little envious. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's like yeah. oh, this was the first to do all these great things, finger tracking and like having these high like it had the highest refresh rate screens and all these great things. And now I'm like, um. I, uh, it's really heavy on my head and, uh, I have to have these big base stations, uh, all the time yeah. everywhere. It's, uh, it's, it's an, it's an intense setup. That's like really hard to sell people on why I even have it much less why they should. I, right. I, I have the index as well. And it's my preferred headset of choice as the, at the moment, I, I do love it. And, and I think it has, um, the most high fidelity of the, of the headsets I own. That said, I just, Put in my PSVR 2 pre-order. So I'm very excited to see how that improves upon the index because the index is a little long in the tooth at these this point, as you said. Um, so yeah, so I'm right there with you. I'm ready to get rid of the base stations and and move on. Although I wish I could plug my PSVR 2 into my PC and play all my yeah. PC VR games. And it just it just seems silly that that's not an option at Wait, point. wait, wait. You guys are doing the things Spencer said you have to do that you didn't want. You're doing the things. We got to get, are we going to talk about the metaverse next? What are we doing? Because I'm let's get to the good. <laughs> yeah, I got these NFTs I want to tell you about. Uh, all right, Spencer, tell me the VR games that you are enjoying on your, on your Valve Index. Well, it, the first one is not really a game. It's like a social experience that has been the most magical, this is new feeling that VR has ever given me. And it's this thing called Alt Space VR. It's like, a social, a VR social space, which I think are undersung and oversung at the same time. Like the wrong people are excited about them, but it really blew me away because of the intense personal interactions that I've had with people that I could never get in any controller PC game. And all I'm doing is talking to them. I don't know what it is, but something about being able to interact with your, it's a social game where you load into like a campsite and you can go meet people. And those people have like built out their own worlds using these in-game tools. Like someone took me to their like, oh, I built the Starship Enterprise and he's a big Star Trek nerd and he's walking me around. Well, if you see here, I've put, you know, Captain Whatever's, I'm not a big Star Trek guy, but I'm just in awe of the accomplishments of this guy who built the bridge and like, he's like, this is from one episode, but I, I had to put it in just cause it's my favorite one. It's just like, and if you did nerd. that in real life, if you followed a guy into his van so he could show you his <laughs> Star Trek enterprise, it would be a bad idea. But in VR, <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Not a bad idea. Yeah. It, it's I, and I've had so many just one of a kind interactions like this because these people are uh, the, the people who play this these games all the time are a tight knit group of com- like of people who have never met in real life, which is always what they talk about. But I don't like the distinction between the digital life and like the real quote unquote real life so much, but still it's inspiring that these people all met in VR. And I went to 
a birthday party for one of the, the they threw a surprise birthday party they built it out off of that show money heist oh yeah, uh, yeah. they built that out Netflix a show. bank environment yeah you'd go inside there was a big cake that you could go get a slice of they had pictures from all the times that they had hung out in vr and they're going around reminiscing about oh my god remember july 4th marcus made this you know great fireworks show i mean i'm literally experiencing a community over the internet that is genuinely to me meaningful it's incredible i think even describing that even hearing you describe it i think it's easy for people to discount it or make fun of it or 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 you know, laugh at that notion. Uh, and, and I understand that from the outside, it can seem very almost silly and, and, and false, right? It, it, this notion of, of valuing something that doesn't take place in the real world. But I do also think, I love that you've brought this up because it's something that we don't talk about here on the show ever. And it's something that I think people that haven't really experienced it in VR don't quite understand. And and I think it's part of the reason that, you know, people like Zuckerberg and, and others are betting so heavily on VR is because when you, when you do get in that environment and you do see what a social interaction inside a virtual environment that is tracking your movement that you're completely natural that takes up your entire field of view and you're, you're immersed in it, how really compelling it can be. Even, even with the simplest of fidelity as far as graphics, right? It doesn't have to be photo real because what, what is photo real is the natural human movement, right? You're, you're, immediately recognizable that these are human beings because they move even the the just the little head and arms that you see you immediately recognize it as being a human being and there is something really magical about that and it's it's something i haven't talked about enough on the show i think but i do it's part of the reason i believe in the technology so much and it's part of the reason i think it is going to be the future because when you can have a true human connection with someone that is not constrained by geography. I mean, I think people have had, you know, lots of interesting interactions in chat rooms and over zoom and whatever. This is a different level. And I, and I love that you're bringing it up because I don't think it is talked about enough. And I think people that haven't tried it don't really get it. Yeah. I, it, you, you immediately know if you put someone if you're in if I'm playing Call of Duty with someone I'll talk to them no matter where I am like what where my guy is facing or whatever you right. know like I'm not connecting me talking to that person to the game in the slightest but when you're in VR you make eye contact with them why it's not that's not their eyes you're not looking at them right. you know like if if you think it's false I know you have never done it because the moment you 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 talk with your hands in virtual reality, even more than you might in real life, because you understand inherently in that moment, that is a better way to communicate with this person. And they're doing the same thing to do to you. It is completely foreign. It has no overlay if, as far as like, it's like a chat room that you can go in and, you know, like talk to other people. And it, it's, it's not that it's yeah. it, very rarely do like, or 
it has been a long time since I've done something that in gaming that has felt completely fresh. This is not an advancement of something that exists. This is not, uh, you know, like, oh, haptic triggers on the PS5. That's an amazing evolution, you know, but this is beyond evolution to me, being able to look another human being in the eye and recognize their humanity, you know right, what I mean? Right, yes. Man, I, I love that you're talking about it in this way because, yeah, it, it, and again, it's, it's something that I think people sort of, um, recoil from when they haven't, because it just feels so goofy when you conceptualize it. But in it, it doesn't feel goofy. It feels natural. And I think that's, that to me has always been the magic of VR is all of these things that we abstract in order to play video game, press X to mourn, you know, is the, or press X to do whatever. In in VR, you can actually do it. Your hand can do the thing that you would do in real life if you were doing it. You're, you, you know, you can look your head. You're not moving a mouse to change the camera angle. You're not moving your right stick to change the camera. You're moving your head like you would <laughs> in real life. And and the the breaking down of that abstraction and the bringing it more into line with what is completely natural and human is a huge leap forward. And it's why I really, really believe in VR and have for, you know, many years now and been banging the drum here on the show incessantly. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's all space VR and a really, really cool uh, to hear you talk about it, Spencer. Thank you for bringing it up. I'm glad to. What else have you been playing in VR? Um, Half-Life Alex is just, I mean, something I, I've already, I'm, I'm coming back. I find myself coming back to just because I think of it like um, I recently replayed Half-Life 2, and it is a triumph on that scale as far as mm-hmm. figuring out what is this mo- new modern landscape. At the time, it was like these connected worlds so- sort of uh, storytelling shooter and games. Physics. That was Half-Life it was, 2. It was physics. And physics, yeah. You know, the gravity gun. This, to me, Half-Life Alex is a revelation on the same scale. I think that it will be something that if VR does catch on in the way that both of us want it to, it seems. Yeah. Uh, I It is something we're going to look back on and go, wow, they figured it out way before anybody else. Yeah. They knew how XYZ should feel. When you do this, you should do that. Going to a ladder works like this. The fundamentals that they figured out in that game are amazing. And then the fact that they were able to build it a first class game on top of that i'm in awe every time i step into that game i agree yeah have you have you tried any of the the big mods that have come out i've been meaning to uh do that i just haven't found the time but i know there's a giant mod that just was released yeah i dipped into those a little while back um and they they're it's just like i mean this is just the valve valve in true form and valve fans in true form. Just like valve makes something inspiring. People get inspired and they make something incredible. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's like a little extension of half-life Alex in those. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. I, I cannot fathom why half-life Alex has not been announced for PlayStation VR two yet. I, I really hope that happens because I want more people to experience it. I want more people to experience it. And uh, yeah, you know, I think it will convert a lot of folks that are, skeptical about the tech so not not my co-host but everybody else <laughs> well, I mean, maybe at this point jeff should we just announce it like let's we just should announce the- yeah they, yeah <laughs> and then they can't not right it's like uh, yeah uh we, we waited until the hour 40 mark of this episode of dlc to announce officially yeah. 
<laughs> and by the way, if if you don't see it available, it got delayed slightly, but it'll it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. I mean, you heard it here first. It's yeah. officially announced. Um. <laughs> Plus, Alex, PlayStation VR two. <laughs> yeah, and, and now a word from Gabe Newell. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I loved. It. By the way, uh, to throw it back to our, you know the uh, story of the week discussion, I, I loved that that segment of the the PC game preview show where they're like, "Let's check in with what Valve has been doing," and it's just a lady like, <laughs> "Steam Deck is amazing! Steam Deck owns everybody!" And it's like it was so funny. She's like, "Let's check out all the crazy things that Valve has been working on." And it was just a lady talking about the Steam Deck for ten minutes. That was funny to me. It's real good. It's you know what? Good. That uh, beefy GP can buy you three Steam decks. You know, <laughs> like it. Yeah. I mean, Merry if you Christmas. Can get them. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, Spencer, I uh, very glad uh, to have the, had the VR discussion with you, and you're welcome back anytime. Are you? Uh, are you gonna? Are you trying to get that PSVR two? Or are you? Or are you not? I'm. I need the software to prove itself. If I can't yeah. hook it to my computer, I, it, it's going to mm-hmm. be tied to a PS5. I need a PS5 to prove a couple things to me before I really dive in Fair on enough. a piece of hardware that costs more than the base PS5, which I'm still shaken by. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, uh, I'll invite you back on, and, and when I when I get mine, and we can we can I can geek out about it and try to convince you to get one. Maybe the other Jeff Kanata actually put his pre-order in, so I will have played with his. But uh, First, so I, was, I Jeff Kanata. <laughs> nah, yeah, y'all are on the same wavelength. Uh, you guys hit the the buy button on Amazon at the exact same moment. I know it. Christian, <laughs> what if, what if, when I fall asleep, he wakes up? <laughs> I've been hosting this podcast with the wrong Jeff Kanata. I got to check my email. It's actually Jeff Kanata two at gmail.com. And I, dang it. I met you at weekend confirmed and just was like, Hey Jeff, remember that other podcast we're doing? And I always wondered why you paused for half a second. But uh... <laughs> Yeah. Jeff Kanata. I, it, I knew it had to be him anyway. <laughs> all right. Let's uh, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Spencer Campbell, it's been such fun having you on the show. Thanks for being here. I'm really glad to be here. Yeah. Is this the time where I plug things? Yes, I I was about to say, tell folks where they can find you and the things that you do online. Excellent. Well, the my my most recent thing that I really would love if people check out is I have a podcast that is about Vin Diesel specifically. It is 100% about Vin Diesel and Vin Diesel movies. It is called The Diesel System. My buddy, Christian Silva, and I, and he's like an amazing talent. He's like a TV producer. He really knows his stuff. And we dive super deep on uh, Vin Diesel movies, and we've created a system by which to judge them and definitively rank them. So we're going to come out of this podcast with a definitive ranking for all time that history can look at with just like, absolute certainty that this is the definitive ranking of vin diesel movies and that is the goal of the diesel system it's a service for the world it's not just a podcast it's really you're providing a service for posterity a lot of government dollars went into the research behind this (laughs) that that builds the diesel system there's a lot of uh i don't want to say lives are hinging on it but i think (laughs) we're as close as we can get to lives i mean I got nervous there when you said your co-host was Christian Silva. I was like, yeah. if his co-host is Christian Spicer, <laughs> oh, this is yeah. going to be <laughs> the biggest Rick roll of any. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's too funny. Yeah, so ch- definitely check it out. We're on the socials at uh, at the Diesel System on everything, and we're coming out every Tuesday. We've got uh, the Pacifier is coming out on Tuesday, and uh, we've already got the Iron Giant episode, which you might be surprised to find. Vin Diesel is the Iron Giant in that movie. I mean, he's everywhere. So do you uh, keep an eye out? Do you consider the Guardians of the Galaxy movies Vin Diesel movies? Um, if it's got Vin Diesel in it, it is a Vin Diesel All movie. Right. Now, to what degree is it a Vin Diesel movie? That is for the Diesel system to decide. <laughs> well, I guess I'll have to <laughs> tune in to find out. Uh, that's awesome. Very, very cool. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Well, I have, as we mentioned, I launched, uh, or if you're listening to the patron feed, this is your first time hearing this, perhaps. Uh, I launched my new website, christianspicer.com. And I'm going to, there's two micro blogs up there already, but I will be posting more, not, you know, with uh, 20 a day, but more regularly posting things there, uh, things that I'm, you know, when embargoes break and I can talk about things and I want to talk about more about it here on the show, but kind of first impressions when those things hit, you can find that at christianspicer.com and then the blog is there as well. And then, uh, you know what? Uh, I'm taking a week vacation. Maybe I'll finish the newsletter that I'm working on, Jeff. Maybe I will. Maybe this is the week. I don't know. It might be. Why not? Can I make Why a bet? Can I make a bet? I mean, if I make a bet, I will finish it. So I don't know <laughs> if I want to make that bet. I, uh, but I am working. I have a newsletter. I, say, I will form. take that bet. <laughs> it doesn't matter what I say, Jeff, because you will make me say that if you, choose to edit this, if you choose to edit this episode. It's your new catchphrase, um, Christian. Your, <laughs> I will take that bet. <laughs> I should have taken the same bets that Mattress Mac took on the Houston Astros. I would have been a, a very happy baby boy. Um, newsletter bet, maybe. I don't know. I'm trying to run through it now. But I write a newsletter about games. That stays the same. It's at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. And uh, yeah, Jeff, I'll take that bet. Why not? Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, well, you can uh, you can write into the show anytime at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, I guess, because uh, Twitter's still a thing for now. Uh, <laughs> at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. I'm still there. I'm still there. Uh, I posted a... Uh, my my screen time i was my my screen time on my phone told me that my screen time is is down like 80 <laughs> percent i was like down to 17 minutes a day uh of screen time which is a new low for me so there you go that's how much i'm using twitter lately but i want to know what your other number was because it's like was when twitter when you didn't think it was as much of a hellscape yeah. making horrible like was it like 23 hours <laughs> 23 <laughs> hours yes yeah no, that's that's more like a dave chen number he's at he's at an absurd number of hours of screen time I'm, i was at like two or three hours a day but i'm at 17 well, minutes it's amazing that's because dave chen is making content on his screens like point. he's making point. a living using his screens the way they're supposed to and we're like ooh, look at this puppy <laughs> for 40 hours fair point fair point <laughs> Uh, and the only reason and a lot of people point out like, w- w- how's that possible? Uh, and I, and I tell them it's because I have not installed Marvel snap on my phone. Uh, it's only on my tablet. So don't ask me about the screen time of my tablet. <laughs> that is uh, a lot worse. All right. Um, you can also listen to me talk about movies and TV shows, uh, with that very same Dave Chen, uh, and Devinder Hardwar on the film cast. Uh, you can get that wherever you get podcasts. Uh, and I do a comedy science show with Anthony Carboni called We Have Concerns and uh, a sports show called The Fan Controlled Show. 
all of those available Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. So check them out. All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Spencer, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? You know, I watched the documentary Stuts on Netflix, mm. if you guys aren't familiar. Yeah. It's this it's this documentary that Jonah Hill made about his therapist, because his therapist, Phil Stutz, is this really inspiring figure who he is uh he came up with these like tools that you can use to improve your mental health, but really he's an just a very interesting figure and Jonah Hill kind of like curates this experience where that's like very classy. Like it's mostly in black and white and it's, but then it's very uh, subversive in some ways. Like he acknowledges that it took 14 months to make this documentary, like in the documentary, you know, and when, you know, it just like, it's really feels very intimate and small. And like he it's, it, it's just very modern i i've never seen a documentary especially about mental health like this one hmm. i've been meaning to check this out i almost started watching it last night and i i have not yet but i am very intrigued by this it's called stutz and it is yes. on netflix christian spicer what is your parting gift uh two old comics it's one story but it's old comics and it's spider gwen ghosts Ghost Spider, which ran in 2018, and then Ghost Spider, which ran in 2019. And they kind of relaunched and renamed the comic, but it's one continuing story. And there are many great Spider-Gwen and Ghost Spider stories, in my opinion. But I've been rereading these um, for thoughts and other things that I'm, I'm tinkering with. And what I find fascinating about it is, and why I think it's worth the read, is the multiverse is as hot as it's ever been. You know, there are things now, like even just the idea of multiverse, like other shows and things just say it. Like that's like a term that just people know what is that you don't have to explain anymore. Like there are multiple universes. Like we live in a multiverse. It's like, oh, that's just become a thing. You know, it's like, oh, it's a multiverse. That's in the zeitgeist now. And Spider-Gwen is one of the kind of earlier characters pulled out of this idea of a multiverse and then inserted into others. And this version of her exists as the only character that can travel the multiverse. And that's in um, uh, uh, Spider... Welcome to the, What's the first Spider-Verse? Spider-Verse? Into the Spider-Verse? That first animated Spider-Verse uh, movie. Um, and it kind of hints at that, that she can control it. But the way these comics talk about and kind of hint about the idea of a superhero who can travel to any dimension and what that means for their planet. I think it's a fascinating take on multiverse that even these, these 20 issues don't quite delve into enough as much as I'd like them to. But I think that's a version of the multiverse that all these other shows and stories and movies have kind of peeled off of, of like, what, where's the, with great power comes great responsibility of toying with all of these verses. And so far the MCU we see on screen kind of maybe hints at it, but also hasn't, it's just like, we'll fix it, you know, and I'm sure they'll lead up to some big repercussion, but I love the idea 
of examining, you know, if Eminem made Grand Theft Auto, uh, the movie, what that means to the people who had to choose to do it, I think is super fascinating. And um, I really love the art as well. But Spider-Gwen, Ghost Spider, which ran in 2018, and then the continuation series just called Ghost Spider, which originally ran in 2019, are excellent comics for a slightly different take on what a multiverse story can be. Awesome. Very cool. My parting gift is a new TV show that has started on FX. I'm watching it on Hulu because Hulu has the FX on Hulu. It's called Fleischman is in Trouble. Uh, It stars Jesse Eisenberg, Claire Danes, Adam Brody. This is a fascinating, deep, interesting adult TV show. Uh, Mini series, limited series. So it's uh, it's not going to come back. It's based on a novel. Uh, I've seen the first two episodes so far. Uh, it's basically about a guy, uh, well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's deceptive, but I won't spoil anything. It, it starts as a story about a guy who has uh, just gotten divorced after being married for 15 years and is sort of reinventing himself. And the way this story unravels is so fascinating. It is narrated constantly uh, by other characters in the, in the show. Uh, they're commenting on what's happening as it's happening. The acting is great. It's really uh, surprising uh, and interesting. And I was immediately drawn in by Fleischman is in trouble. I think if you are, uh, if you are curious to find something that's a little more sophisticated and uh, top tier TV, don't miss it. Fleischman is in trouble. I, I obviously haven't seen the whole thing yet. But if the first two episodes are any indication, I think this is going to be real special. So check it out. It's on FX on Hulu. We also got a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It comes all the way from the Netherlands from Boss. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, Boss writes in, I have a suggestion for a parting gift. The Red Rising book series by Pierce Brown. Set far in the future, humans have colonized the solar system. The genetically modified golds are the ruling caste. But while proud, uh, but while proud houses fight for control at the top, a red of the lowest class discovers his people have been living a lie. It's amazing. Political intrigue, nail-biting close combat with razors, lightsabers, but cooler, and space battles on a planetary scale. It's the best sci-fi story in, in any medium. Wow, high praise from Boz. Thank you for suggesting that. Again, that's called the Red Rising book series written by Pierce Brown. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on our show, send it to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love getting those. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Spencer Campbell and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for the awesome bumpers. Thanks to our theme song uh, contributors, White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. We appreciate them. And thanks to our patrons who make this show possible. Make sure it continues. We are grateful for you. Check out patreon.com slash dlcpod to see how you can support the show and all the cool stuff you can get in return. The top tier Patreon contribution, which we call the hype train level patrons, they get their names read out every single episode. And I'm going to do that, or actually Christian is going to do that right now. 
Hey everybody, we say it every week as we thank our Hype Train patrons, but this week, as it's Thanksgiving week here in the U.S., I could not mean it more sincerely than any other week, uh, as every other week, you know what I'm trying to say, uh, very, very sincerely. Um, it's saying a lot that you all support this show the way you do, and it means the world to Jeff and I, and truly, this show would not exist without the patrons that make it possible, so thank you all very much. It is... Um, humbling, to say the least. So I'll quit. <laughs> I'll quit babbling. And um, from the bottom of our hearts, we need to thank Jason Novak, Octavian Ratziu, Christian Bravery, Jad, Peter Olberg, Michael Buck, Mike Lombardo, the Spice Man Silencer, Albert Verhelda Dios, Jonathan, the Spice Man Forever Schlepplefer, Stu Goss. Kevin Brazel, Ben, Dan Palmino, Malcolm King, Mark Gowland, Jonathan Putney, Will with one L Harris, Chris Zacharias, Jonathan Talbert, Scooby Diesel, Adam Denby, Sasan, Dan Flanagan, Anthony Gulas, Andy Joyce, Matt Valdez, John Cisco. David Epp, Hyperboy66, Scott Lambert, Sharuken, Comedian Aaron Trahan, Curtis from Louisville, Relentless Rex, Michael S., Kyle Starr, Riley Knox, Rob Rixman, Hank Patton, Cheesy Bob, Victor Venezuela, Matt Bradley, Jeff Luxack, Mitchell Ness, Jimmy Radcliffe, Scott Hughes, Jenny, Nate, Zachary White, Yick, Soren Silk, Travis, Jackson, Michael Stadler, Nick Strauss-Klein, Josh Peake, Taylor Wigert, and every other single person who has ever supported this show reviewed it on their podcast provider of choice, gave us a listen, told a friend about it. Um, it, it. It truly means more than you'll ever know. Thank you so much, everyone here in the U.S. Happy Thanksgiving. Um, we are thankful for you, no doubt. All right. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Have a happy Thanksgiving if you're in the United States. We'll be uh, talking to you again at the end of Thanksgiving weekend, but we are thankful for you. We're thankful that you listen. We appreciate you. We'll talk next time. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.